enjoying Jesus and Jesus is doing a work in your life there are people who you know who are dying right now and sharing is caring see if you enjoy Jesus you should want to tell somebody about him I always tell people all the time they're like we need to work on our evangelism I'm like no no we need to work on our worship and prayer see evangelism happens we share the gospel when we know that God is so good and we're experiencing all the blessings of God then all of a sudden we're like man we need to tell somebody about this We have been given a great gift of grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. This gift fills us with hope and love and forgiveness for all we've done. Today, Pastor Daniel reminds us how important it is to not keep that gift to ourselves. Though we're alive in Jesus, people all around us are dying because of their sins. They can be set free, and you can be who God uses to do that. Today, let Jesus overflow from you to everyone you meet. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part three of his message, Severe and Supernatural. Who are you lashing out at? Who's the person who you've decided is the right person to blame for the situation? And we need to stop doing that. We need to say instead, Lord, you know the situation is awful. And Lord, you know I've already figured out all the people I'm going to blame for this. Who I'm going to frame for it. Who I'm going to make sure everybody knows that my lot in life is because of that person. And you need to say, you know, Lord, what are you trying to do right now? What are you trying to show me? What are you trying to reveal in me and to me? It's amazing because... I see it so clear in my kids. I love my kids so much. It's so easy for kids to blame each other for the things that go on. And then you start thinking about your own life. You're like, wow, it's so easy for me as a grown-up kid. So easy to blame. I believe right now, I believe right now that there are a ton of marriages right now that the fact that someone has chosen to blame your spouse is the single thing that is creating the awful scenario of your marriage right now. That you've decided that because of them, things would be different if they weren't there and it's their issues, now it's becoming your issues. You need to stop that right now. That is how Satan is destroying your family. There. Just turn and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've decided that it's my spouse's fault. It's not their fault. They're a sinner in need of salvation too. And you got your own stuff too. Every time I go to the Lord, I'm like, Lord, you know, I mean, I'm married to an amazing woman. My wife is amazing. But every time I start coming complaining to the Lord, he's like, Lord's like, Daniel, you ain't no peach. I've been bearing with you for a long time. And I'm not done with you yet. And I'm reminded, I'm like, oh, I'm such a knucklehead. I'm like, Lord, it'd be so much easier if this, and it's always not my fault. But God loves us too much to keep us like this. I just feel like I needed to say that. Let your spouse off the hook. My goodness. Don't lash out. Don't justify your sin because the situation is dire. 
Stop that stuff. God's got something else he wants to do. And it's great because Elisha says, look, I want you to hold the guy at the door. Don't let him in. I know that the king's coming right behind. Now, why the king is coming right behind, we don't know. Some scholars would say the king realized he was lashing out and he's changing his mind. He's trying to stop the guy or he wants to see the deed. He wants to see Elisha's head because he made a rash vow about the Lord do it to me and all this stuff. Now, as you move in to chapter seven, look at what it says. It says, then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes. You shall not eat of it. In verse three, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when They had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp. To their surprise, no one was there. But the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. And so they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Their tents their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent, they ate and drank, and they carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid. Now, in the midst of this awful situation, this section reminds us that things can happen overnight. Change can happen overnight. Do you realize that? That change can happen overnight. See, once the king gets there, Elijah says, hear the word of the Lord in verse one. Tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, a seah was about seven quarts. Right? So remember before you had these exorbitant prices for a donkey's head and dove poop. And now you have seven quarts of flour for just a shekel. A lot more. Two seeds of barley for the animals for a shekel. These were not only good prices, they were better prices than they were used to. And what we find is that this officer, this man who the king, he leaned on his hand, he was one of his advisors, this officer said, dude, if the Lord were to open up windows in heaven, how could this thing be? And Elisha says to him, well, you know, you will see it with your own eyes, but you're not going to be able to eat of it. So God's inside man, Elisha, gives this prophecy. Tomorrow about this time, in 24 hours time, everything's going to be different. And somebody there's like, no, 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 it's not. 
And then the scene moves to these four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. Now remember, people who had leprosy, they were separated from the camp. Part of it was for health and part of it was also for the spiritual dynamics. If you've studied through Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and now Deuteronomy with us here, we talk about all that stuff so you understand why this is there. They're outside the gates and they're thinking to themselves, listen, we're in trouble. We're outside the gates. If we go inside the gates, we're going to die Maybe we should just go to the Assyrians. We'll go to the Assyrians. Worst case scenario, they kill us. Because things are awful. It's like, we'll go see the Assyrians. And then they go on out to see the Assyrians, and guess what? Nobody's there. They're all gone. Their tents are there. All their stuff is there, but the Assyrians are gone. And what we learn in this is that the Lord caused the Syrian army to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses... They heard a noise of a great army and they fled. They thought that the Hittites and the Egyptians were hired by the Israelites to come and conquer them. And so the Syrian army fled. Now the Lord did that. It's amazing. In the last chapter, he blinded and then they opened their eyes and now he made them hear a noise that wasn't really there. And my friends, this is why I believe that we need to hold on to the fact that change can happen in a moment. That although things might be awful, things can change in an instant. And that as believers, we need to grab hold of that. That's why I believe that the, one of the marks, the defining characteristics of a believer is hopefulness. That we in the midst of awful things can always choose hope. I always think of our brother, John, who's been on our staff for a long, long time. He had a long season of a lot of things that were going on that were hard. And I'll never forget, we were standing out in our family room on those stairs, and I would always see John when he'd be working, and we'd spend some time together, and we'd pray together, and he'd share his life with me, and I'd share my life with him. And I'll never forget it, because John said, Daniel, I always tell people, always choose hope. And this is from a man who's living that out, or trying, because things were hard, and things were challenging, but then things can change. In an instant, in a moment in time, in just a 24-hour period, everything could be different. It's beautiful. Our brother John, he's experiencing that, that some of the things that he was going through, there were a season. Still hurt, but God's doing a new thing. This reminds us of Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. With men, this is impossible. But with God, what? All things are possible. See, even though things may be awful and you might be tempted to lash out, maybe you should remember that God can change the situation overnight. Things can happen quickly and instantaneously. There is this prophecy that makes no sense. How is it possible we go from exorbitant rates for donkey heads and dove poop and now all of a sudden everything's going to be back to normal and we're going to have better prices than we've ever had? How is it possible The king's own advisors don't believe it. But sure enough, God takes these four men who have leprosy, who are living outside the camp. They're exiles from the community, and they have a bright idea. Let's just go, maybe we'll just go to the Assyrian armies. If we go in the city, we're going to die. We'll go over there. The worst they could do is kill us. Either way, we're dead men walking. And they show up there, and all the resources you could ever need are there. And they start to enjoy it. They start to enjoy it. And they start to take things, and we're going to keep them with it. But then look at what happens. This is beautiful. In verse 9, it says, Then they said to one another, We are not doing right. 
This is a day of good news. And we remain silent. And if we wait until morning light, some punishment will come upon us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. And so they went and they called the gatekeepers of the city in verse 10 and told them, saying, we went to the Syrian camp and surprisingly no one was there, not a human sound, only the horses and donkeys tied and the tents intact and the gatekeepers called out and they told it to the king's household inside. Now, I love this. Let me give you the principle. My friends, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. How many of you ever taught your kids that? How many of us are big, grown-up kids? Some of us are working on it. Sharing is caring. See, these guys, these four men of leprosy, these four guys who are exiles, they come on the Syrian camp, and they start to enjoy everything. They go into one tent, they're eating up, they're like, we got silver, we got some gold, we got to take all that stuff home. And then all of a sudden, the light bulb goes on, they're like, This is not good what we're doing. We have more than we could ever need and everybody's starving in the city. We should probably go tell them. And they go and they tell them. Brothers, sisters, listen. This is such an important principle. See, first they enjoyed the feast. And then they told others about it. They realized they could keep it all themselves, but that's just not smart. It's not nice. People are starving and people are dying and we have what they need. So we've enjoyed it. We're going to go tell them. And guess what, my friends? This is the same thing true with what the church calls, and the Bible calls evangelism. See, if you are enjoying Jesus and Jesus is doing a work in your life, there are people who you know who are dying right now and sharing is caring. See, if you enjoy Jesus, you should want to tell somebody about him. I always tell people all the time, they're like, we need to work on our evangelism. I'm like, no, no, we need to work on our worship and prayer. See, evangelism happens. We share the gospel when we know that God is so good and we're experiencing all the blessings of God. Then all of a sudden we're like, man, we need to tell somebody about this. But you got to ask yourself right now, are you just being selfish? Is God doing extraordinary things in your life? Is he, although you were dead, he's made you alive in Christ and you're not telling anybody? This is why we hand out flyers and we invite people. We go on social media. So we put ads on the, on, on the television because we were dying and Jesus saved us. He made dead people like you and me alive. And we we're like, look, man, since I'm enjoying this, I got more than enough. I'm walking with Jesus. I want other people to know about this. Remember I said we don't need to work on our evangelism. We need to work on our worship and our prayer. That's big. Because the men of leprosy had to share because they've already been made full. They were the first to partake of it. And all of a sudden they dawn on them, they're like, man, this is so good. We gotta let other people know. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. When was the last time you shared the good news with somebody? When was the last time you were willing to share with somebody because they're dying and this is the answer? That's not only true with evangelism, this is also true with what you could call social compassion. For many of us, we have way more than we would ever need. And there are people who are literally dying. And all we know how to do in our culture is build bigger barns. How do I save more? What other things can I buy? 
But then you see these four. Now, don't miss the fact that these four leprous men, they were outcasts from their society. The society didn't treat them good at all. Actually, quite horribly. Completely put out of the community of believers. Not even allowed to live in the city. And yet they still go to hell. This reminds me, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Oh, here's the deal, my friends. I guarantee you by the end of the day today, you're going to have an opportunity to share. I guarantee by the end of the afternoon, there's going to be opportunities for you to share. And I want you to think to yourself, sharing is caring. And I want you to share. Just like we teach our kids, you need to learn how to share. We just found, it's amazing. You pray for Lynn and I. We just found out our two-year-old Annabelle is not perfect. Somebody was telling us in the nursery that our Annabelle is mine, you know, troublemaker. She gets that from her mom, obviously. <laughs> but we just found out she's our little angel. Like, Annabelle at home is like a little servant. You're like, can you, like, it was funny. Lynn was telling me the other day, you know, I was out and Lynn's like, Obadiah, take the garbage out. Obadiah's like, oh, a little bit. And Marinoth is like, well, I'll do it. And Annabelle walks over and grabs the garbage bag. I do. You know, the garbage bag bigger than she is, you know. But we just found out that Annabelle's not a great sharer in the nursery. So we're working on it. But you know what I've also realized? We're not really good sharers in the sanctuary either. We kind of do a lousy job of sharing, don't we? Some of us are learning that we're not perfect either. Sharing is caring. Take the opportunities that God gives you to be his hands and feet in our community, in our world, not only sharing the resources that God has given us to help those in need like we're doing with our Love Now project to help the kids in our community, but also it's sharing the good news of Jesus because we were dead and he gave us everything we need and other people are dying without Jesus. Share Jesus with them. Someone's always about to say, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, I don't know what to tell them. Share with them what God is sharing with you. It's real easy. You just pass. Like, the lepers didn't need to come up with something new to give them. They gave them exactly what they had received. So you don't have to have all the answers. I'm not saying don't study. Study to show yourself approved, as the Bible says, a worker who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So study the word, but if you don't have the answers, just say, this is what God's doing in my life. I mean, I don't know all the answers, but this is what I understand. Just share with them what God has shared with you. Sharing is caring. Look at how this story ends. It's powerful. Look what it says in verse 12. It says, So the king arose in the night and said to his servants, Let me now tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. And one of his servants answered and said, please let several men take five of the remaining horses which are left in the city. Look, they may either become like all the multitude of Israel that are left in it, or indeed, I say, they may become like the multitudes of Israel left from those who are consumed. So let us send them and see. Therefore, they took two chariots with horses, and the king sent them in the direction of the Syrian army, saying, Go and see. And they went after them to the Jordan, and indeed, all the road was full of garments and weapons from the Syrians, had thrown away their, in haste. 
So the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the tents of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel according to the word of the Lord. Verse 17. Now the king had appointed the officer on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. But the people trampled him in the gate and he died just as the man of God had said who spoke when the king came down to him. Verse 18, so it happened, just as the man of God had spoken to the king, saying, two seas of barley for a shekel and a sea of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow, this time in the gate of Samaria. Then the officer had answered the man of God and said, now look, if the Lord would make a window in heaven, could such a thing be? And he had said, in fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. And so it happened to him for the people trampled him in the gate, and he died. Do you see how this ends here? The situation was awful, and the king was lashing out. But change can happen in an instant, in a moment in time, in a 24-hour period. Sure enough, these four leprous men find that the entire camp of the Syrians is left completely together, all the provisions of an army that's been besieging a city for a long time. And they decide that they're going to share The word makes it to the king, and the king doesn't believe it at all, which shows that his repentance was shallow because he was seeking God, but he really didn't believe that God was going to take care of the situation. And he's like, the king's so wise. I know what's going on. The Syrians are smart. See, they're going to abandon their camp, and we're all going to come out to it, and they're going to get in the city, and they're going to kill us all. So let's not do anything. It's the voice of reason, quote-unquote. It's also the voice of unbelief in this case. Sure enough, one of his servants says, you know what we should do? Look, let's just send out a couple guys, a couple scouts. They're going to go out in chariots and horses. Worst-case scenario, they get killed like the rest of us. Best-case scenario, we got something. He's like, okay, go. Sends those guys out. They end up going to the Syrian camp. Everything's there. The Syrians are nowhere to be found. And before you know it, there's so much barley and flour that everything's getting sold in the city gates for a shekel. But you remember the servant of the king? If the Lord would open up a window in heaven, how could this be possible? What did Elisha say to him? He said, you will see it, but you won't eat of it. And what happens to this guy? The king put him at the front of the gate to make sure that people were orderly in going out and get it. And we find out, that this guy gets trampled because people are running out with such a vengeance to get this. My friends, what does this teach us? This teaches us that doubt destroys. Doubt destroys. This man, this servant of the king, didn't believe that God could do anything. So much so that when it actually happened, the king wasn't even going to send anybody out. He didn't believe that God could do it. Doubt destroys. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel shared some extraordinary works of God today. God provided for his people just as Elisha had prophesied. Pastor Daniel also urged us to hold fast to our faith even when we can't see the end of the trial. God provided then and will provide now. 
Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. God has been doing some amazing things at Crossroads. One of the things that I'm the most stoked about is our new campuses. We launched a brand new campus in Southwest Portland. So if you're in the area, I'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship Sundays at 10 a.m. Our online campus is reaching the entire world. And we'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 9, 11, or 1 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. at CrossroadsLive.tv. Now here's Josh with what's coming up on our next episode of Jesus is Real Radio. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel discusses the final events of the prophet Elisha's life, even as his health was failing. Elisha served God, setting a legacy in place that many would benefit from years to come. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio. Jesus is Real Radio.